welcome back to Wednesday Night Fight Back. UK public debt has just exceeded 100% of GDP, which some people view as alarming. Michael, how alarmed should we be? Uh, well, William, uh, as you can see, I've uh, put my specs on for this one. Uh, so uh, in, in order to give a, a due element of seriousness. Okay, look, there's no magic number at 100% of GDP. Uh, now, you, there are certain American economists come out and say, oh, once you get over 90% of GDP, you're doomed, or once you're over 100%, you're doomed. Uh, this is this is all rubbish. Um, there is no fixed uh, uh, rate at which uh, public sector debt becomes intrinsically impossible. If you look at places like um, Japan or you look at places mm. like China, they're over 200% and, and they're still mm. kind of chugging along. So mm. the first thing to say is 100%, it don't mean a thing. Mm. Right, that's the first thing. The second thing is, how big a hole are we in? Because it's clearly, you know, things have deteriorated. Um, and one of the ways in which you can tell about whether this becomes an intolerable burden or whether you get into that sort of slippery slope whereby you get sucked down into a fiscal disaster mm. is really looking at the amount of debt you've got, how much you're paying on that, and then comparing that number to um, your nominal GDP, not your real GDP, but by your nominal GDP. <clears throat> and if you can do that, if you look at the amount of debt you've got, how much you're paying for it, and then compare that with your nominal growth rate. If your nominal growth rate is higher than your hur that hurdle rate, mm. i.e. debt times interest rate, then you're stable. Right. Can I now, can yeah. I just right, can I just stop you there for the for the benefit of the viewer? So the, the price that you pay for your debt mm. um, varies, doesn't it? That is part of the problem. And the the worse your debt dynamics, the more you're going to pay. So you end up in a, a sort of doom loop spiral, don't you? I mean, the amount that on the UK tenure, if you go back two years, three years, it was, it was a little bit different to the, what is it now, near 4%, something yeah. like that? But, but it's I, I will definitely have something to say about doom loops, <laughs> mm. because there yes. are two obvious doom loops that, that could kick in, one of which is already kicking in, but... Let me just get through the, the, the basic equation, first of all. Mm. Does Britain usually grow in nominal terms at a rate that's fast enough to service our debt without it spiralling upwards? And the answer is yes, it does. Mm. Even though our overall growth rate is low, our nominal growth rate has historically been enough for us to carry this debt without it spiralling down. Mm. Um, and you cannot say the same uh, at current levels of debt and interest rates for loads of European countries. So right. we're bad. You know, it's not great, but mm. but we're not in the doom loop. But there are two potential doom loops which are out there, one of which is already very obvious. Um, and I've written about this, and I've banged on about it so much, William. I'm sure you're going to know what's coming. And that is the colossal, the colossal funding error uh, mm. that the Treasury and Bank of England between them made while funding COVID-related debt. Mm. Mm. Um, because, to, make it, to cut the long story short, they've, they borrowed all this at very, very low rates and short-term rates. And now, of course, the short-term rates have gone up. So the carrying cost of that debt for Bank of England, which holds the mm. debt, or mm. the replacement 
of that debt is far, far more expensive than they mm. than they initially took on. And when you look at the calculations that Bank of England does, the losses on that that funding are f- expected to come to two hundred billion, two hundred mm. billion pounds. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's, it, Which is an astonishing that, error. That's it's just, it's that's, just um, that's um, not the interest payments. That's, yeah, that's just, the cap. That's the that's the loss. That's the losses yeah, yeah. made, and on, the on treasury the book, yeah. indemnified the Bank of England. Say, look, you make these losses, we'll pay. Mm. Okay. Mm. Now the bills for that are already coming due, and this is an astonishing. This is an astonishing thing. So far this year, the indemnity payments which the treasury has had to make to the Bank of England to fund that error. Mm. is responsible for about 40% of our entire public sector net borrowing. Mm. 40%, just under 40% of our entire public sector net borrowing is only to try and paper over the cracks of their ludicrous and reckless so, funding strategy. Now, yeah, if you look at it on a, on a departmental basis, it's the biggest department. It, it's, it's absolutely astonishing. And of course, yeah. the, the, the doom loop of that is that, you know, the market sees, oh my gosh, you've got this huge, you know, you're not getting your public sector debt <clears throat> under control. Therefore, mm. we're going to put up our bond yields. We're going to charge you more. And of course, we charge difficult. you more. So yeah. the indemnity payments become more and more expensive. So there's that yeah. doom loop. Uh, mm. And, you know, is it possible to deal with that? Yes, but not without real pain, not without real institutional change. And I can assure you the Treasury is going to resist institutional change with every pore of their being. Well, so I think that you make, you, make, you make some really salient points there. But just to go back to what you said, oh, it, makes me, so, it makes me so angry. No, I know you're, you're livid about it, and you're quite yeah. rightly, but because it's incompetence. And it's also, it was also unnecessary. Uh, but but, well, but actually, we even William, we even warned about this at the STP, yeah, didn't we? This is for God's did. sake, don't do that. Do it, do it with a, a, a COVID bond. Yeah, I, yeah, it was crazy. But but just to go back to what you said before, again, putting my skeptics hat on, you you say that if nominal GDP growth uh, exceeds the rate of growth in, in in the in the debt stock, yes, obviously, you, you, it doesn't get away from you. But if you just look at the debt to GDP ratio over the last few decades obviously we have the financial crisis and that was a great big loop up and so on but it's a long time now it's now decades since it's been at 30 or 40 percent of gdp and it seems as a skeptic i would say i would say it seems it doesn't seem likely at all that it's going to reduce and uh, anytime soon and you're still running psbrs of 80 90 billion it sure. makes it even more difficult so i just i'm, I'm very very skeptical and, and there are other countries like the us where you're at sort of 130 is it 130 140 oh, and, and a lot of people, you know, quite decent economists say it's beyond the debt, uh, the um, event horizon now, and it's just it's got it's got out of control. So I am very, very, very concerned about it. And the and the final point I would make about that is that, uh, you know, the 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 optimist would say, yeah, well, we've been here before, we've been here before. If you look at debt to GDP post war. I, I agree. Post-war it was over 100% as well, but but, but we had, had a war for God's sake. Yes. No, and yes, and but it's not the co- necessarily the cause, Michael. It's not so much the cause. It was that you had the potential demographically, industrially, and as far as the economy was concerned, for a post-war reconstruction and a sort of post-war boom. And you had some momentum there. And I'm I'm struggling to see where you get the same amount of momentum to get to deal with it this time. Am I making a fair point? You're making a fair point, but fortunately, you're likely to be wrong. Uh, I'm much, Good. I'm much more optimistic. Um, I think 
about the future generally than 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 is fashionable. Mm. Um, and for Britain in particular, there are two there are two things that are worth knowing. One of which is that if you look at what would be normal interest rates, you, you know, you can go and you can go and have a look at what normality was like of interest rates. We're pretty close now on the short end to having uh, short-term interest rates where you'd expect them to be given where nominal mm. GDP is gone. Uh, that's the same in the US. It's not the same in Europe. But if you like, the, the, the pain that we're doing now is slightly front-loaded. The, the bad news is that doesn't apply to, 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 to bonds. They're still way, un, way un, under yield. So you'll get more mm. than that. So, mm. but I think you know we're further down the curve than I think people people recognize or are willing to recognize. Mm. The second thing I would say is I believe there is um, an enormous opportunity for global growth in the coming um, decades, mm. and I, I'll do it for two reasons. First of all, uh, I think you'll have the eclipse of the extraordinarily broad range of policies that are designed to stifle growth. Um, mm. which, you know, and I'm not going to mention net zero purely for, for, for net zero's sake, but clearly there's a, a campaign to slow growth down. I think mm. that will be ousted. But mm. there's a second thing uh, which is brought to my attention by um, uh, a very good uh, tech writer called Jan Kamerath, a German guy. Mm. And mm. he said, look, almost all our major industries, if they're running on software, they're running on software that was written in the 1980s. You've got got this tremendous, uh, what he calls technical debt, Um, whether it's banking or whether it's shipping or whether it's airlines or whether it's supermarkets or whether it's manufacturers. You know, they're running basically on technology that's now about 50 years old, 40 to 50 Mm. years old. Mm. Uh, Mm. And as that comes through, there will be immensely more efficiencies available uh, and with luck. You know, if if you're looking for how how does the global economy grow, the opportunity is clearly there. Is clearly yeah. There. No, I, I I saw that piece and I saw your piece on that piece, so that was that was <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, let's let's be optimistic. Can I finish by asking you one final sort of question, which is a a sort of policy poser, really? Um, the the, the SB currently has a, a a little policy on so, on a on building a sovereign wealth fund. I think we we say you know three billion should be now. The, the the problem with this is that um, if you haven't got surpluses, you have no money to invest in. <laughs> now, sovereign wealth funds are very good if you're in Norway and you have oil surpluses, you can invest it and so on. But some people are arguing that we should we should borrow probably on you know on on on, the, on gilts to 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 invest somehow. Let's say for argument's sake, a hundred billion in a new sovereign wealth fund off off debt. Now, I am skeptical because a You've got a you've got a surefire winner now. Now as rates are up, now now as now as the opportunity cost of your debt is is four and five percent, you've got a surefire winner uh, return of four or five percent if you just redeem the debt, just get rid of the debt, and you're better off. You know you'll be better off. But if you borrow a hundred billion and and try and invest it, uh, you may find your investment is lower than your cost. And it, so it, what do you it think? may be that it may be that the government isn't going to be great at emulating private equity. <laughs> Yes, so it's yes. an immensely stupid idea, um, but it does have the kernel of something that's important, and it's something that, again, we've talked about before, and that is if you overhaul the national insurance scheme to make mm. it a properly invested uh, insurance fund whereby 
you you know you don't just pay it into tax that you pay it into an account which then a genuine pays, you pays a genuine, money yeah. yes then you get um an, an amount a hefty amount which can go towards uh investments in projects and ideas that are deemed to be useful for the british taxpayer and for the british nation and that's something that should be done um and, that, and, 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 I, and I, would be indistinguishable in the short term from um the mechanics of a, of a of a sovereign of a sovereign fund yeah. And you, yeah, and then you get the opposite of a doom loop. You get a virtuous loop. You yeah. get a virtuous I, loop. I agree with that. Okay, uh, well, let's end on that uh, optimistic note so we can take action to deal with it. And you're, as God, good to hear, you're more, more optimistic. Actually, we, we were asked on, on the comments section of this uh, series to deal with this issue uh, by popular demand, and, and we've, we've done it. And it's, it's good that you're quite optimistic. Well, you know, I mean, there's so many reasons given to be pessimistic. Um, mm. But remember, we've been here before, you know, uh, yeah. when systems exhaust themselves, it gets horrible, horrible, horrible like this. And mm. then either the system corrects itself or it gets even worse. <laughs> it can't get even worse forever. It can't, it can't so be allowed you have to, to look at the opportunities. No. Yeah. There, there is a reckoning. I think we're probably yeah. going through it. Good. Okay. Thanks, Michael. See you next week. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Take care.